Welcome to CEO. My name is Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. I am here with Kirk Otis. He is with Managing Partner, excuse me, Merger Partners. Kirk, welcome to the show. Well, it's a pleasure. All right. Give us some background on you, and then I want to talk about some of the things that maybe most people don't get a chance to talk about in your position. Okay. All right. First that sounds excellent. So, uh, my background, I. Uh, really started in a technology firm in um, you know, a technology division of LTV downtown Dallas and uh, left there and joined the telecom craze back in the uh, 90s and spent 20 years in uh, corporate development doing strategic transactions um, looking for uh, ways to get into new markets and into new products and into new regions of the world and then uh, following that up with execution plans to actually execute. So I'd say I'm a strategic execution guy. That's good. That's a good statement. And the and world then, needs more strategic execution guys. Right. So the big thinkers. And I parlayed that into a CEO slot in the semiconductor space. Um, we, it was focused on telecom at the, at the time in, uh, in optics, and we pivoted that firm uh, to become a leader in the uh, illumination systems for autonomous driving. And uh, now I'm now I'm in the investment banking space. Now let's go there. On the investment banking space, you're you're saying that you know we could we could do better in our local area in Dallas. I want you to bring that out. You know, talking about inorganic growth, roll-ups, management teams, right. things like that. Well, I, I think when I was talking to you about that, I was I have a bit of a passion project uh, personally in the venture space. Um, because I think we've got a serious gap in our community in the access to venture capital. And the implication is um, entrepreneurs end up spending an inordinate amount of time chasing for capital. And while they're doing that, um, you know, they're struggling, but they're also not developing the company. They're not, they're not focused on customers and product development during that time period. They're more focused on trying to chase down uh, uh, capital, and it, it's simply because there's too few dollars in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth-North Texas region for, for venture. Um, we've got incubators, we've got angel networks, and I think a lot of the angel networks are loath to invest because they don't know who's going to follow on. Um, where investment banking picks up is a transition that those entrepreneurial-led companies that had venture rounds in them um, investing in them to take them to the next round uh, once they've become profitable. What do you, how would you make a solution? There's got to be a bridge here. Well, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a quick and ready answer. What, what happened is we had uh, a lot of VC money was going into the telecom space. That fell apart, and so those funds uh, didn't return our capital. It was a bit of a disaster, and so 
uh, a lot of people were reluctant to put money in into the VC. And then at the same time, oil and ga gas came around, the real estate market rebounded, and so a lot of money poured in into those sectors that would have gone into venture. Um, and there'll probably be some rotation as those segments mature and the opportunities for returns, outsized returns kind of diminish in, in real estate and oil and gas maybe, you know, hopefully we'll see some of that money flow back into the venture coffers and, and attract some VC talent into the community. Okay, having VC money coming to Dallas can't just be dependent on other markets diminishing. There's other things that would be attractive. High, high returns and a prolific amount of deals is there any sectors you're looking at or, or any teasers you think that we would get whether it's boston silicon valley or well know, other pockets of, of classic venture capital that would come here or do you think it's better to just be organic about it and grow it from within because there's if, the, if there is a void trust me there there'll be some brilliant person figure out how to find well, fill it you know, the couple of hot themes that are coming, and a natural for us, is uh, 5G technology. Mm -hmm. um, so there'll be a whole application space that develops around 5G and um, themes that support 5G. So that 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 will likely be a catalyst or one of the catalysts that affect us. Um, artificial intelligence is another space I think that is uh, probably prime for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Why do you say that? Why do you say AI is big for here? There's a lot of firms that are focused in um, financial services, mm -hmm. banking, um, and communications, and those areas are areas where you can implement AI. And you know, AI is going to be everywhere, right. but it should be here too. Okay, so you think that Dallas is lacking in the AI space, and that's why we're having it? Or I'm just saying there's opportunities. Yeah, I, I just say there's opportunities, and there's unique uh, developments going on in, in the area, and local talent can bring the AI component to that to those worlds. Okay. Um, one of the things that, that you mentioned uh, in our prior conversation is that energy is hot. You know, I, I want to hear more about that, why you think you know energy is so hot here um well that's kind of a play on words but yeah it's hot um <laughs> no no state uses more energy than texas right and it's because of the heat um no state generates more wind power than the state of texas and the issue with wind is it happens uh in the morning and um, in the morning hours and that's not the heat of the day and so there, there's sort of a disconnect of when the cheap power is available and when the power is most costly and um, the deals I was talking about happen to be battery deals okay um, using uh, chirogenics is one using uh, everything from utility scale batteries to um, batteries in the home and in the last six months or so, I've seen four various power deals around uh, battery technologies or using battery technologies or AI around battery. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And it, it's all focused on solving this time shift of when the power is available and generated and when it's required. 
Okay. In in that vein, are you seeing like longer lasting batteries, or is it just the technology to be able to modulate the bat the battery's lifespan and the energy? Um, it, it's just a matter of changing the generation of power and making it available later in the day. Okay. So it's not the lifespan of the battery; it's simply the cost of doing that do you think that that's our biggest value that we have here in our, our area right now is more is more energy base or are there other things i mean you mentioned ai earlier but you know i talk to people all day long about all kinds of types of right no I, sectors i think energy is interesting to us because it's a technology we have here uh because we have a competitive marketplace for power um the environment is flexible so we can implement some things here mm-hmm. that not all the states can and uh, and we've got the need and we've got the need because we've got more wind energy than any other state and we've got more i didn't know that oh yeah more than california we're, more in the east coast by far oh yeah we're number one in terms of wind energy okay um and in fact i think the dallas morning news or somebody came out with uh um, a report that said in June, 22% of our power in the state came from wind and 21% came from the second source, um, which is coal. So would it be safe to say that we're really... Actually, a second, they were just comparing it to coal. I think the second source is actually natural gas, but um, it was the first time that wind had exceeded coal in terms of generation. Are we becoming more of a green state than most people know? Probably so. Do that? Probably so. Hmm, that should be a big marketing campaign for the state. I mean, the number one state uh, that consumes power yeah. is a number one wind producer, and we're the number one consumer of you know wind energy, naturally. Got it. All right. So, Not that I'm a wind proponent. <laughs> you know, it's mean, great stuff. I don't mind. <laughs> all right. So let's circle back because one of the big things that you, you you came on the show to talk about is how the dfw area dallas fort worth area needs more venture capital to invest in more companies um is it a changing of the restrictions on the types of investment capital that you think need to be made or is it more education on the entrepreneurs to get them up to the point where they can actually be prepared to accept professional investment type money. Well, I think it's the latter. Um, I mean, I think we've got the technology, we've got the talent, we've got a number of the factors. Um, but generally speaking, entrepreneurs and uh, entrepreneurial-led teams. If there's one area they lack in, and we were talking about this earlier as well, is in the financial disciplines. Um, you know, that's not just not first and foremost in in their um, tool bag. Mm-hmm. Um, they're technologists. Technologists actually make great finance minds because it's it's works the same, but the tools they use aren't you know financial statements and forecasts. Right. And uh, a lot of times when as an investment banker we go and we have somebody come in and talk to us and we ask for their financial statements they 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 it it sounds kind of crazy to me but they'll say well let me go to my tax guy and I'll get that for you and when they say that I know that they're going to provide me the 2017 financial statements that were used to do the tax filing in 2018 last fall and that they've got 
nothing more current than that because that's what they're giving me. Mm-hmm. And they've got no forecast. I mean, why would you forecast based on something from 2017? I mean, there's, yeah, right? Right. The and, and, that's how they, and that's how they run their business, you know, which is fine as an entrepreneur because I have a good pulse on it. But when you're talking to financial investors and financial buyers of companies, having year and a half year old financials and no forecast isn't it's like you're talking two different languages. So it's financial literacy within the entrepreneurial family. Yeah. It really needs to come up right. to speed in order for the um, outside investment bankers, the professional private equity investors, to become really genuinely interested in this area. I think they're interested. I, I don't think that's as much an impediment. But when it comes to doing a transaction, right? if, if you're going to do a transaction with somebody that you're going to have to fight to get the financial information from right versus somebody that has it at their fingertips because they have a finance guy um, that's already put it together it's all thought through everything's holistically thought about um, you know it all works together and and everyone's working off one truth of, mm-hmm. about the company mm-hmm. if, if I was doing due diligence on two companies it's a whole lot easier for me to get my head wrapped around and get comfortable and confident about somebody that has um, the financial element as part of the plan versus a guy that has great technology but has no financial basis. Great you know? vision, great technology, but no financial structure. Yeah, to it's just a rigor this. thing, and okay. uh, and it. you know everyone's heard. You know, accounting is the language of business. Well, when it comes to attracting institutional investors and talking to banks um, it really is and a good finance guy can put you in a you know right path in terms of where the profit pockets are where you should be focusing investment dollars um, because he can prove it out in the finances what sounds good to the entrepreneur from a simplicity standpoint doesn't always return and you know, provide a return on investment, and you know, a finance guy can get convinced one way or another. They're they're not the, 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 the they're not the creator of the truth, but they can help you work through those permutations to figure out where to focus and and where the returns can um, be derived from. Good words of wisdom. Is there anything else you want to uh, bring out to the audience before we close today? Um, Excuse me. Well. You know, the, the other big thing that's going on, I'd, I'd say, you know, big trend is we're, we're coming to this big baby boomer um, issue where we've got roughly 1.2 million businesses in the U.S. Um, that are in the uh, 10 to $100 million range. And boomers are big time leaders of those companies, and they're going to be exiting. And when they do that, this whole issue of financial rigor is going to become a problem or uh, an opportunity for those that uh, focus on it. And so I, you know, I think it's a huge opportunity for uh, financial advisors and and uh, experts in that area to get engaged and, and provide some real value. So, are you thinking that the next generation really isn't inclined to to address the financials as much as the previous generation, the baby boomers were? Um, 
No, I, I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying that when these transactions occur, right, the seller's got to be ready. Okay. Um, otherwise, the buyer's going to move on to the next opportunity. Got it. Good way, Good point. All right, Kirk, thanks for being the guest on today's show. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.